We are in this series called Making Change. We're in week two. And we're going to be talking about this big idea that stress is bad. How many of you would agree that stress is bad, right? Yeah, stress is not good. How many of you would like a stress-free holiday season coming up here, Thanksgiving and Christmas? Yeah, I know. Wouldn't that be amazing? So that's what we're going to talk about today is how can we try to eliminate some stress in our lives? Personal stress worldwide is at near record levels, according to experts who can measure that kind of stuff. In fact, they said it's the highest level since World War II. The highest level of personal stress worldwide since World War II. And in fact, suicide has now passed car crashes in America as the number one injury death in America. Suicide has passed car crashes as the number one injury death in America. And a lot of that is because of stress, that people feel this overwhelming anxiety, this, this feeling of pressure on them. Uh, if you look at the top seven stressors, for most of us, they say uh, it's your job, money, health, relationships, poor diet, media overload, and lack of sleep. And those are some of the top seven stressors that we find in our life. And I don't have time to go through all of those, and so we're going to be diving in primarily into the stress of money and debt and what does that uh, look like in our lives. And so you might be asking, why are we talking about money and stress and debt in church? Like, why are we talking about that topic? Well, last week we talked about there's this idea that's been kind of sweeping our nation called minimalism, and that minimalism is actually an old biblical concept. To live with less is more. And lastly, that's what we learned, that less is more. And that we are taught by the world to consume, 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 to get, get, get. But that the Bible tells us to be content. And so we contrasted that last week, the difference between consume, 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 and to be content, be content, be content. And so if you missed last week, you can download that podcast if you want about how do we live the less is more lifestyle? How do we move from consuming to being content? But one of the truths of both minimalism and uh, what the Bible tells us is that all areas of your life are connected, that all areas of your life are connected. And if you're taking notes this morning, you can start by writing that down, that we aren't someone who like our spiritual life is over here, and then our work life is over here, and then our family life is over here, and then our financial life is over here. It is all connected. And we talked about last week how uh, uh, Lisa uh, Velen, who, who wrote a, uh, writes a blog on minimalism, Simple and Soul, she talked about how as she got into minimalism and as she embraced this less is more lifestyle, she didn't really think about it in the context of her spirituality, but realized that all areas of our lives are connected. And when she started to simplify her life, it started to declutter her heart and her soul. And so everything we are is connected. Your spirituality is not divorced from how you handle your finances. And how you do your job is not separated from your family life. It is all connected. Amen? And so we want to, in this series, work from going from people who consume, 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 to people who are content. And how do we live with that heart that is content? So we're in week two now of this series called Making Change, and we're talking about how do we manage our resources in a way that is honoring to God, and I think in a way that can actually change lives. Uh, if you missed last week, we're talking about this four big themes, and so last week it was less is 
more. Today we're going to talk about stress is bad, and then next week we'll be covering that giving is good, and then we're going to wrap up and talk about how tomorrow matters. How do we prepare for our future that tomorrow matters? And these four phrases, I want us to get into our heads and our souls, so I want to go through these one at a time, and let's say them together, all right? Number one, less is more. That was kind of weak. Try it again. Pretend like you're at the Vikings game right now, which people are. All right, ready? One, two, three. Less is Thank you, yes. And the big one, number two? Stress is bad. Yes. And next week, number three? Good. Yes. And finally? Give yourselves a hand. Way to go. Excellent. See, we can do call and response just like the Lutherans and Catholics, all right? Amen. Uh, today, I want to talk about financial stress. Because I've never heard anyone say, you know, ever since I got into debt, my marriage is so much better. You know, I've never heard anyone say that, you know, the massively high rate on my credit card has really improved my love life. You know, no one says, like, you know, high interest rates equals hot loving in the bedroom. That just doesn't happen that way. Financial stress doesn't help us live a better life. But many of us have said things like, man, I wish I could give to people who are in need, but I'm just not really able to do that right now. I wish one of us as parents could stay home with the kids, but man, that's just not possible. I wish we didn't have this financial stress. I wish we didn't fight all the time about money. I wish we could travel more, but man, we just we don't have the money for that. It's just something we could never even do. And we have this financial stress, and stress is bad. That's what I hear more and more. Let's be honest. Though, this is kind of a difficult topic to talk about. You know, this fall, I just decided we're just going to tackle all the really hard stuff. So we spent six weeks talking about marriage and sex. So now we're talking about money, which are the two most difficult topics I think most of us want to talk about. So in January, we're going to spend four weeks on politics. Totally kidding. <laughs> not even. I'm not going to go there. Um, but the truth is, I think a lot of us are kind of embarrassed because maybe we don't have a great idea on how money, debt, taxes, you know, investing, all that works. We feel overwhelmed. I think we want to just put our heads in the sand and just not think about it. It's like, ah, I don't want to even think about retirement and maybe interest rates and, ah, we feel hopeless. I think that leads us to feel uh, helpless. And the challenging thing is a lot of us just don't have a good understanding of how money works. Because, you know, the reality is most high schools, most colleges don't spend much time teaching us about interest rates and debt and money and investments and taxes and all that works. Like, they're like, here, you need to learn algebra. But they don't teach us about, you know, you know, taxes or investments. And, you know, it's great that we're learning algebra because that's really helpful every April during algebra season, right? Yeah. No. <laughs> I know the mathematician's like, amen. <laughs> like, why don't they teach us about taxes? I don't know. But so many of us, we live with financial stress in our life because maybe our parents didn't do a good job teaching us about how all this works. So today we want to see what does the Bible say about money and stress and debt and we're just really going to scratch the surface here. I just want to be honest that you can go much deeper into this. And I hope that this kind of whets your appetite to explore more. Sometimes as a pastor, my job is to work hard all week long to prepare a great meal for you so I can lay it out in front of you and say, here, here's something to eat, here's something to digest. And hopefully, you know, it fills you up all day long, week long, that you can kind of think about that. And sometimes I'm here to say, hey, here's a sample of something that's really good. You need this week to go and invest investigate it yourself and kind of, you know, dive into God's word, dive into some other godly people. And today's going to be a little bit more like that, where hopefully I'm just going to kind of scratch the surface and you can dive into it yourself this week as you explore more. But we're going to look at what, what right now, what King Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, what does he say about this? 
Proverbs 22, verse 7, he says, The rich rules over the poor. He's not saying this is the way it should be. He's saying this is the way it is, that the rich rules over the poor. And the borrower is the slave of the lender. King Solomon says that when we are in debt, when we borrow money, we are a slave to that lender. That the borrower is in bondage. That when we owe, we're in bondage to the person that we owe money to. Last week we learned that less is more, and today we're learning that stress is bad. We don't want to be in bondage to anyone. And as your pastor, I'm going to beg you to have an open heart and as we talk about money and debt today and throughout this series. Because I believe all my heart that God wants for his children to not be in any kind of bondage, whether that's spiritual bondage or in bondage to someone else because of debt and high credit card rates and all this kind of stuff. Amen? I just want you to imagine, imagine what would it be like to have no financial stress in your life. Think about that. Think that, you know, something breaks and you have prepared and you have a plan to deal with it. And you can pay cash because something's broken. Or that when you want to make a bigger purchase, like a car or something else, that you don't have to, you know, make payments, that you just have that money saved up for it. That when someone in your life, maybe someone in your small group or a neighbor, that their, you know, their water softener or their water heater breaks, that you have stewarded your own resources well, and you can say, you know what, I can bless you with that, and I, I, I can just be generous. Imagine that if you, you know, got a week of vacation, and, and you had money set aside for travel, and so the biggest stress you had was, should we go to the mountains, should we go to the ocean? The ocean, the mountains, mountains, oceans, and you got to go back and forth, back and forth, because you already have that money set aside to travel and to be with your family. Listen, there's more than just the practical side of being smart with our money. There's also a spiritual component. This is what Jesus says in Luke 16, verse 10. He says, one who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. Jesus is telling us that if we are faithful with a little, he's going to trust us with more. We learned this this last summer as we went through some of Jesus' parables where he talks about the parable of the talents and how he will give you a little bit to see how you do managing those resources. And if we do well, then he will give us more resources to manage. As a pastor, God will see, Eric, how do you do with pastoring a group of 100 people? And then, you know, if I am faithful in that, he'll say, here's 200 people. And he'll continue to see, how do you do with, with stewarding the people that I've given you? And he's not going to give us as a church more people that, you know, if I'm not doing a good job pastoring the people that we already have. It's the same way with resources in all of our lives. That God is going to see, how are you doing with the resources that I have given you? Because why would he give us more resources to manage if we're not good with what we already have? And so we want to be good stewards with our talents, with our time, with our treasure, the things that he has given us, so that then God will give us more to steward for his glory. This isn't some kind of like, you know, uh, you know if you sow a little bit, you're going to get more, and so it's all about, you know, like uh, working God for that. No, it's just a, a, a principle of stewardship, that as we steward well, God will be pleased to give us more and more responsibilities, more resources to manage. My prayer for all of you is that you're going to want something different than the typical world where it just says we live in debt. That's the way we are. And you're and just living with financial stress and worry. But how do we do that? 
Well, like I said, today we're just kind of scratching the surface. And instead of me giving you like a seven-point plan on how to deal with financial stress and, you know, how to find financial freedom, what I want to do is just give you three prayers that this week and moving forward, you can pray these three prayers. And my hope is that uh, this becomes a part of a relationship with God that will help you honor God and be a good steward of what he has entrusted to you. So uh, if you're taking notes, you want to write these down. Number one, we're going to pray, God, give me self-control. God, give me self-control. You write that down. God, give me self-control. All right, let's say that all together. All right, one, two, three. God, give me self-control. Try it again with a smile this time, not like you're eating broccoli. All right, one, two, three. God, give me self-control. That's right. And why is this important? Why do we want to pray, God, give me self-control? Well, Proverbs 25, verse 28 King Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, he said, a man without self-control, or a woman without self-control, is like a city broken into and left without walls. A city that doesn't have walls is what? It's completely vulnerable. It's open to attacks. See, the problem is, this is what I have realized, the problem is that we all have a tiny little two-year-old living inside of us, Okay? Uh, I have a two-year-old son named Andrew. He's super cute. Uh, and I love, Andrew calls himself Odrew, which is great. I've talked about Odrew a little bit, and he'll be like, Odrew out. I think I have some pictures of Andrew. Let's go ahead and uh, put him up. There's Andrew. How cute is that? Go to the next one. Yeah. Oh, go back. He, that's funny. Andrew, there it is. AJ, uh, next one. There's Andrew. Yeah. And uh, one more. Again, Odrew out. Yeah, that, that's Andrew. See, we all have a tiny little Odrew inside of us. Uh, the other day, I got up with Andrew at 6 a.m., and, and, and it's dark, and it's cold, and we come downstairs, and, and I'm, I'm kind of, I'm with Andrew, and he's like, Dad, I want candy. I want candy. <laughs> no! Like, thanks, Halloween. You know, candy. Like, no, no candy. Uh, and, and that's, you know, that's what Andrew uh, wants. And see, uh, we all have this tiny little odor inside of us, and if you don't discipline and train that little two-year-old, then that little odor is going to cause you a lot of stress in your life. Amen? Uh, you know, for each of us, maybe that tiny little odor inside of us isn't saying, I want candy at 6 a.m. You know, maybe that's your problem. I don't know. Uh, maybe that's what you're, like, the biggest thing you're dealing with. You know, maybe that is. But, you know, uh, okay, I'm going to step on some toes here. Is that okay? I'm going to anyways. So, ladies, sorry. I know some of you, every time you walk by the clearance rack or the end cap at Target, that little two-year-old inside of you is like, I need it, I want it, right? And then you come home and you try to convince everyone how much money you saved on something you don't need. Like, ladies in general, you know, they tend to give in to their little Odrew little bits at a time, little purchases, you know, something on sale that honestly no one really needs. It's like, sure, Odrew, you can have new gum, new toy, whatever. Lots of little things that add up over time. That's often the case, that's kind of, Generalization, that's kind of how the ladies work. Now, guys, we're a little different, all right? No nickel and dime stuff for us. We're usually a little bit better at saying no to the small stuff. Instead, we like to give into our Odrews, inner Odrews, and blow it in one massive purchase, right, guys? That's right. It's like, honey, so um, I bought a new boat today and a pair of jet skis and a truck to pull it. Sorry, you know, it's like, what? What did you do? You know, that those little end cap purchases don't look so bad anymore, you know? Like, that's just typically the difference between the ladies and the guys. The guys, we just tend to blow the whole financial ship, you know, one spectacular purchase in a way that can just sink everything. That's kind of my story. I decided to get my biggest financial mistake out of the way on our honeymoon. 
That was the best way I thought to deal with this. And so Kristen and I, we were, uh, we've been married 12 years now. You can applaud for that. That's great. Yes. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Uh, we've been married 12 years, and so uh, we got married, and uh, I was a youth pastor making $26,000 a year, amazing, and Kristen didn't have a job at the time, and so we went on a honeymoon to Florida, and, you know, I wanted to get discount tickets for Disney World, because I thought that's a good way to be a steward, right? Well, at the end of a three-hour timeshare presentation, we walked out buying a $10,000 timeshare. When I say we, it was me who was like, no, babe, the numbers work. I think this is a good idea. $10,000 timeshare, family income of $26,000 a year. Uh, not a good idea. You know, I'm good at saying no to the small things, and I will tend to blow it in just one big thing. Like, that's kind of how uh, guys are more. Um, but what we need to do is we need each one of us, whether it's the little things or the big things, learn to say no to Odrew inside of us. You know, we can't, uh, we have to learn to say no now so we can pay for college for little Odrew later. We're going to learn to say no now for a little while. Why? So we can say yes for the rest of our lives. We're going to learn to say no now to be set up to say more and more yes later. Some of you, that's the big takeaway that you need right now, is that we're going to say no for a little while to get out of debt, to get to a financially healthier place, so that we're set up to say yes for the rest of our lives. And I don't know how this is going to play out for you, but it will somehow. You know, maybe, ladies, step on your toes again. Maybe you like to get your nails done every week, but you have this mounting, huge, you know, credit card debt or student loan debt or whatever it might be. And, you know, instead of getting your nails done every week, you're going to do once a month. Because here's the reality. Ladies, you get your nails done for other guys, right? Or for other ladies, not the guys. Like, guys don't care about nails. Like, I've never heard a guy say, like, whoa, check out the nails on that lady. Like, <laughs> do you think they're, are they real or are they fake? You know, <laughs> You know, guys don't say that about nails. Like, but so you might have to say no for a little while so you can say yes for the rest of your life. My wife is so embarrassed right now. It's amazing. Maybe you like to play golf. It's every week, you know, at the nice place. But you've got these debts you've got to deal with. So you're going to say no for a little while. Maybe, you know, you just once a month at the cheaper golf course so you can pay off some debt, get to a healthier place. So that then, once your debts are paid off, you can say yes. You can go golfing every week once you're at a better pace financially. You can go get your nails done and get the little hearts and sparkles on them, whatever you ladies do on your nails. I don't know. I don't understand it. You know, we're going to say no now for a little while, take care of some stuff, deal with some financial stress, so that we can say yes later. You know, maybe your 12-year-old is demanding a new iPhone, and it's like it seems like child abuse to not give him a new phone now. We're going to say no now so you can be set up for success later, so you can pay for college or help them with college later. You know, maybe you want a car with that brand new smell, and it does smell so good. I love new cars. But you can say, you know what? I'm going to say no to that brand new car smell now. We're going to continue driving a, a used car you know, that still gets us from point A to point B safely so that we're set up for success later to say more and more yeses down the road. So we're going to pray, God, give me self-control so I can make a wise decision now to get rid of the financial fear and stress so we can have financial freedom later. And you might say, well, you know, I'm 40, I'm 50, I'm 60 years old. It's really too late for me to make any changes. I'd say just start where you are now. Pray, starting now, God, give me self-control wherever you are. So you can say, I want to say no now to a couple things so we can say yes to the rest of our lives. So what are we going to do? We're going to pray, God, give me self-control. Help me recognize that less is more, that stress is bad, that giving is good, and tomorrow matters. God, give me self-control. 
Which leads me to number two. We're gonna pray, God, give me understanding. God, give me understanding. Let's be honest, like we said, the reality is a lot of us just don't understand how money and debt and investments and taxes and all this works. So we need to pray, God, give me understanding. In fact, Hosea 4, 6 is really clear. He says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because you've rejected knowledge. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. We could loosely say, you know, people are hurt financially because they don't have a good understanding of money and debt. See, in our culture today, what happens too often is we want to buy a car or we want to buy a house. We often ask, you know, uh, you know what's the down payment? What's the monthly payment's going to be? We might even ask, what's the purchase price? But very rarely do people say, what is the, the end price going to be? How much am I going to pay totally with interest and all this stuff over the life of this loan? What's this going to cost me, the full and total cost? And what happens too often is because we don't understand interest and compound interest, and we think, well, I'll get this credit card, and there's no interest for the first year, and then we bring up a big balance, and then we don't understand how that interest then starts compounding at 19% or whatever it might be, and we get into this huge mess. Doing a little bit of research for people that have credit card debt, so not averaging people who don't have any debt, but people who do have credit card debt, the average amount of, that, of debt they have is $16,000 of credit card debt. Some of you hear that and you're like, whoa, I feel a little better about myself. Some of you feel a lot worse about yourself, like, whoa, I'm in big trouble compared to the average. But $16,000 in credit card debt. Now, I just want to just really, real quick dive into this. So if you're paying just kind of a minimum payment of $250 a month on $16,000 of credit card debt at 19% interest, it's going to take you 40 years to pay that off. 40 years. Do you know how much interest you're going to pay over the life of that? $105,000 in interest on $16,000 of purchases you made. $105,000 in interest. Like, they don't tell you that when you apply for credit cards. That's how compounding interest works against you. But now let's say you've said no to some things, so you can say yes down the road. And uh, we're going to switch the numbers a little bit. And let's just say that you've paid off your credit card debt. And now you're going to say, I'm going to invest some money into my future, into my retirement, so I can be a blessing down the road. Just real quick, um, let's say you're 30 years old. That's uh, kind of close, probably the median age of a lot of our congregations. So let's say you're 30 years old. And uh, you contribute $5,000 a year to your like, Roth IRA. Uh, in the next 30 years, by the time you turn 60, you'll have set aside $150,000, which is awesome. $5,000 a year, set that aside. You know, you'll have set aside, that's about how much you can contribute to your Roth IRA. But you'll have set aside $150,000. That's amazing by the time you're 60. But actually, it's even better. Because of compounding interest, that let's say an average rate of return, 8%, it's compounding each month. And so that interest is compounding for you on the principal as you add to it. And by the time you turn 60, so if you're 30, start putting away $5,000 a month. By the time you turn 60, you're going to have about a million dollars in your account, 8% return. Sorry. 5000 a year. Yes, yeah, sorry, 5000 a year. Thank you. Did I say a month? 5000 a year. Thank you very much for that. 5000 a year, uh, you'll have about a million dollars by the time you're 60. Who wants to be a millionaire by the time they're 60 so that you can be more generous? Yeah. Now, that's just scratching the surface. That a lot of us don't understand how, you know, when we start to invest today 
for our future, how we're going to be set up for success, that things like interest can work for us, not against us. And in two weeks, we're going to talk about how tomorrow matters. We're going to get into that a little bit more. But the bottom line is, I'm not a pastor. I'm, I'm a pastor, not a financial expert. I know, sorry. I'm a pastor, not a financial expert. So find a financial expert if you have questions. If this is the first time you're thinking about this, if maybe you're just living in like, well, I'm just planning on, you know, um, uh, you know, some magic genie to take care of my retirement. Like, it's not going to show up that way. The government is not going to have enough money to take care of you. We need to look ahead to the future. If you have kids, how are we setting aside money to bless them down the road? So that when we die someday, our, our goal will be to be a blessing, not a burden. That we can set them up well, our kids, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren. And uh, one resource I just want to encourage that if you have just crushing debt and you don't know what to do and you don't even know where to start, Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University is a great resource to check it out. Um, uh, it's, it's a great resource. And we have uh, even some people who are talking about we may be offering a financial peace class starting in January. So if that's something you're interested in, you can come talk to me, uh, Pastor Nate, because we want to help you Get rid of debt and your financial fears so you can have financial freedom. Because I believe as your pastor, God doesn't want you to be in debt and bondage to anyone, uh, including financial debt. So what are we going to pray? We're going to pray, number one, God, give me self-control. Number two, God, give me understanding. Because the reality is for most of us, there's probably so much that I don't know yet. I want to learn to honor you with what you have entrusted me. I want to be a good steward. Number three, we're going to pray this. God, give me a plan. God, give me a plan. God, give me a plan. Proverbs 21.5 says this, The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. You might be like, all right, what does that word hasty mean? Well, the Hebrew word hasty means I felt pretty bad, so I went to the store to go buy some stuff to make myself feel better. Uh, that's not true, but that's really what it means when we don't have a financial plan. As we go to you know, retail therapy just to make ourselves feel better. And not having a plan is going to lead to poverty. Here's what I want you to recognize, and don't miss this, is that you can wander into debt, but you can never wander out of debt. You can stumble your way into debt, but you're never going to stumble your way out of debt. You can mistake your way into debt, but you're never going to mistake your way out of debt. That's why the Bible tells us we need a plan. The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. Again, here's what I want to recommend, Financial Peace University. There's some other good resources out there that if this is new to you and you don't know how to, where to start, say, God, give me a plan. Help me to know where to start. How can I just make a difference? And here's what Financial Peace, I'm going to give you a quick run through. Here's what it's going to teach you. Number one, you need to have, need to have an emergency fund. If you don't have an emergency fund uh, set aside, you need to have that, $1,000 set aside. You might need to sell some stuff to get that $1,000. You might need to get a second job. Sell some stuff you're not you know, using. You know, maybe you have an abundance of kids and they're acting up. Sell one of those kids. Get 1000 bucks. <laughs> totally kidding. Glad you're still awake. All right. But you need an emergency fund. Get that set aside. First thing you do. Then you need to have three to six months of expenses saved up in, in savings so that if you lost your job, you'd be okay for a couple months. You could figure things out. And then uh, you're going to learn how to pay off all your debts. And, and Dave Ramsey does a great job of snowballing it. You pay off your debts with the highest uh, interest rate on them. And then slowly, as you pay that off, you use that amount to, to 
pay towards the next one and, and you add it all together so you can quickly pay off your debts. And then you're gonna learn about investing and set up yourself for success down the road because we wanna honor God with a plan. We wanna honor God by stewarding well the resources that he's given us. Whether that's as a parent, like we talked about dedication, we wanna steward those children well. With our time, we don't wanna just fill our schedules up with all kinds of activities. We wanna steward our time well so that we can, we can serve others, that we can have margin in our life for our neighbors, for people that are in need. We wanna steward our financial resources well. We wanna have a plan. God, give us a plan. That's what we're gonna pray. So what are we gonna do? We're gonna say no for a little while. For some things, we might have to say no so we can say yes for the rest of our lives. We're gonna pray, God, give us the wisdom to have self-control. God, give us understanding. God, give us a plan. We're gonna be faithful to God because he's been so faithful to us. God, give us self-control, give us understanding, give us a plan so we can honor you. My hope for you as your pastor is that you won't be in bondage to anything. Just as Jesus sets us free from spiritual bondage, you'll be set free from material bondage. And you will live a radically generous life that honors God. Financial stress is bad. Debt is not good. We wanna honor God, being faithful what he gives us, believing he'll trust us with even more that we can use for his glory when we are good stewards. So we need a plan. And a plan that doesn't discourage us, but gives us hope. We need to work on that plan. And little by little, we'll make progress. If you have crushing debt, you have, little by little, you'll get a plan to pay that off. Because we want to honor God with what he has entrusted to us. Debt is bad. Stress is bad. But there's one type of debt that is even worse. It's the worst kind of debt. That's what the Bible calls spiritual debt, our sin debt. The Bible teaches us that all have sinned, all have fallen short of the standard of God. What that means is basically we've run, rung up a huge credit card debt of sin of not measuring up to the perfect standard that God has. And one day we wake up and realize, man, there is no way that I could ever pay off this sin credit card debt that I have rung up. The bad news is that there's nothing we could do that we could stand face to face to God and he say, okay, you know, the, the, the payment's due. And the bad news is we'd say, I, I got nothing. There's, there, I've got pennies on the dollar to pay this off. But the good news is that Jesus saw where we are and that on our own that we could never pay off that massive bill that we have rung up. And so God sent his son, Jesus, to pay the price that we couldn't pay, to pay off all our debts. And when Jesus was on the cross, he looked towards his father and he said, it is finished. And in fact, that phrase, it is finished, is the same phrase that in that time, they would stamp on bills that had been paid in full. He said, Father, they could not pay their bill, but I'm going to pay it for them. Maybe this morning, as, as you are here today, you felt that crushing weight of your sin. The Bible says all the wrong things that we've done, as well as all the good things that we didn't do. That's the standard that God holds us to. It's not only not doing bad things, but 
there are good things in our life, people that we should have loved or served better, but we didn't live up to that standard. And so Jesus pays all those debts and all the ways that we fall short. He says, it's okay. And in the currency and economy of God's kingdom, there's this great reversal that we hand him our great sin credit card debt and we get Jesus' portfolio back. His righteousness, to use the Bible's term, his resume, so that when God looks at us, he sees a perfect credit report, a perfect resume, a perfect record, that we are washed clean, that all our debts are forgiven because of what Jesus did. The Bible talks a lot about blood, and for us in our 21st century context, that can be a little weird because we don't live in a blood debt culture. Uh, It's a different time. But on the cross, Jesus' blood paid for our sins. And, you know, when we hear that about blood, it's like, well, what can blood ever clean? Blood doesn't make things better. It makes it worse. But in the economy of God, that blood actually makes us clean and washes all our sins away. And that we can be as new and perfect in God's sight. I invite the band up. I want to give you just the chance to respond. Maybe you have felt this crushing weight and you couldn't put words to it. But you just knew, you know what, I haven't quite measured up. I know there are good things I should have been doing and I haven't done them. I know there's mistakes that I've made in my past and and I've just felt this weight. It's like you're walking around with just this big debt over you. What Jesus wants to do is take away those debts from you. To take off that stress of feeling you're not good enough, the stress of feeling that you haven't measured up, so you can breathe again. That you can feel that your father looks at you with nothing but love and acceptance. He doesn't see this big ledger of all your debts that you owe. Instead, he sees paid in full. It is finished. And the beautiful thing about that is that it's not that we worked really hard, we didn't come up with a plan to pay off all our debt and we can celebrate what we did. Our debts were so crushing that the only way it could be wiped away was through someone else coming alongside and paying it off for us. And so, then we don't boast that because of our own skills, our own wisdom, our own knowledge, we're able to pay off our debts. It's only in Christ. So we're gonna sing this new song. It says, in Christ alone do we boast. In his work on the cross. That his blood on the cross washes away all our sins. And I, I wanna invite you that if you have felt this crushing weight and you didn't know that you could have that weight removed, that you could be made right with God, that he wouldn't look at you and see all the ways that you are lacking, but he would see you as just a beloved child. The Bible says that if we come to God, if we believe in Christ, confess him as Lord and Savior of our life, if we bow the knee to Jesus and say, come, be my Savior, be my leader, the great exchange in the currency of God is we give him our debts, 
We receive the work of Christ, and God looks at us the way he sees Jesus. And you can have that. You can be made new. If I could have every head bowed and every eye closed. If you would like to pray to receive Christ's forgiveness, just pray with me. God, I'm a sinner. I've messed up. I've made mistakes. I haven't measured up. And I have a debt that I can never pay. So God, forgive me. I want to receive Jesus' righteousness, his work on the cross in exchange for my debts. Thank you, God, for forgiving me. Thank you, God, for wiping away all my debts, all my sins, for giving me a clean slate, for giving me the work of Jesus and welcoming me into your family. Amen. If you prayed that, if you make Jesus leader of your life, God will take away all your debts, all your sins. You'll be welcomed into God's family. Would you stand with me? We're going to sing this song now, and this is a chance just to respond. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey with Christ, it's a reminder that we don't do this in our own strength, that we do this because of what Christ has done on the cross. Would you join me in prayer? God, I thank you that you saw us in our helplessness and the debt that we racked up and that there was no way that we could pay off this debt. And so you did something about that. You sent Jesus to take all our sin, all our debts upon the cross, that once for all, you could pay off all our debts, all our sins, all the ways that we don't measure up. God, you took that so that we could receive the righteousness of Christ, his resume, his credit report. God, I thank you for those this morning who are receiving your forgiveness for the first time, that are bowing the knee to you. God, I pray that each one of us would draw closer to you. God, that we would be more and more aware of how we can boast only in you, not in our own wisdom, not in our own strength, not in our own knowledge, but it's only in you. God, let us just be moved by thankfulness for what you have done for us through Jesus on the cross. And God, as a community, we want to encourage each other to help each other have self-control, to have wisdom, to have a plan so that we can be good stewards of the many gifts that you have given us. God, give us the strength to make the change in our life that we need to make. In your name we pray, amen. We're gonna sing this song now as a response song. This is our gift to you. It's just a time to uh, respond to what God is doing in your life right now. And then we'll close with an offering song after this one.